Welcome back to Out of the Question, brought to you by The Kicker. The Kicker is my newsletter slash website, which is full of all sorts of journalism and opinion that I know you're going to love. That's thekicker.substack.com. Subscribe now. This week, I'm extremely excited to have Osher Gunsberg on the show. Most people know Osher from hosting The Bachelor and its associated spin-offs. I was more of an Australian Idol guy who loved the on-screen chemistry between Osher and James Matheson. But that's just me showing my age. During our conversation, we talk about all that, as well as his radio days, as well as getting back on the horse when you're down, as well as the extreme heights he hit hosting TV shows in America. As usual, I started by asking Osher how his colleagues would describe him. We're recording this in 2023, all right? Now, I got sober in 2010. So pre-2010, probably, hmm... Bit up his own ass, pretty fucking selfish. Doesn't like it when you try to give him a critique that doesn't, you know, spend a good 85% of the time kissing his ass before you say <laughs> you want to change. And then spend another three minutes telling him, don't worry, but it's going to be great. We're going to make you look great. This is all about making you look good. Um, after that, uh, once, you know, I kind of had to rebuild everything, which is, I think, is the answer to another question coming up. I have simply focused on like my intention is to show up to work every day being as prepared and as professional as I possibly can be. My motto is basically if I can make everyone on sets day, if I can make it the easiest day they've had at work or the best day they've ever had at work, then my job is done. Because if I am as good as I can possibly be and as professional and prepared and ready to go, Audio doesn't have to come back and go, mate, you're rustling. Fucking, we need to, like, your shirt's fucked up. It's like, no, I've taken real care between me and Mel, who works on me, uh, my smiling, you know, making real care to make sure it doesn't make any noise. You know, I, I show up on set and I deliver it fucking flawlessly. First take, you know, five cameras rolling, 40 people in the room. You can only drop big reality TV news once, you know, you can't get an authentic emotional reaction on the second take. So get it word perfect. Uh, hit my spots, know where my light is, and then turn and go, and you know, and just be okay with the fluid nature of of you know rain. Okay, late rap. All right. I'd like to think that that's what my intent is. So somewhere between what my intent is with you know ADHD, I'm very aware that my intent versus what actually happens is two different things. So I'd like to think that people. Um, have a good experience working with me these days. And I certainly think that how I keep getting hired and the feedback that I get from people I work with would say that I think my intent might be translating. That's great. And so chronologically, getting sober was 2010. When did you go to the States? 2005. 2005. And what was your, what was your ambition when you went to, was it LA? Yeah, I went to Los Angeles and look, We'd just done the highest rating TV show in the history of Australian television ever yeah. uh, in 2003. Um, uh, one in four adult Australians watched the first finale of Australian Idol. The second mm-hmm. season was even bigger in 2004. And I thought, well, where do you go from here in Australia? I don't know where. Because, um, look, let's be honest, Adam, the Commonwealth Games gold medal, that's really nice. It's, it's the Olympic one you want, really. Yeah, yeah. So, like, where do they play the main game? Where's the big one? The big one's in the States. So mm. I, moved, I moved to America. I would come back here to do Idol. I was here for maybe 10, 12 weeks a year. 
um, I was in America. I was figured out a way to do my channel V and my radio stuff from there. And in after I got sober, actually in 2011, I I climbed upon the first place podium and I became the first. And at this, as of recording this today, the first and only Australian to ever host live network primetime TV in America. Seven, wow. seven, eight central on CBS. Uh, 10 million people live coast to coast. It was what was that? Amazing. It was a dance competition called Live to Dance uh, or Live to Dance. I can never pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Paula Abdul's first show after she left American Idol. And right. We shot in the studio that shared a wall with the Idol st- studio. Okay. So yeah, yeah. my parking spot was next to Nigel Lithgow. Uh, wow. wow. Like me, I will, I walked to work down Bobaka Boulevard. Bobaka hosted uh, the prices right in America for like 40 years, 50 years. And you would go in through the loading dock and there's all the yes. prices right shit there. Like all the big wheels and the Alpenhorn guy and fuck everything was there. And it's, you know, that's where they shot, I think bold and beautiful young and restless or something like that. It's fucking incredible. Throughout this interview, Osha points out that success is the outlier and rejections the norm. You know, Michael Corleone uh, speaking with Hyman Roth in Godfather Part 2. Hyman says, this is the business we have chosen. You know, it's this fucking great line that will never, ever leave me because, oh, no, I chose this. I chose not knowing. I chose, no thanks, we're moving in another direction to be the majority thing that I hear when it comes to pitching or being picked for a gig or anything like that. But you transcended that. Oh, and you, no, you, man, you, I haven't. I'm still pitched and I still no, like. No, was, but you've transcended. No, no, I get that. I totally get that. But you transcended that on, a, on an emotional level. You, 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 I, you keep on no, fighting. No, no, no. It's got to be. That was the other thing I was to answer your first question. The only thing I can control was this moment. That's it. That's mm. it. I can't control any decisions. I can't control that if, you know, I can't control anything except for how good a job I do. Mm. That's it. And I have to let go of that. And I have to be okay with that. My my other manager in the States, amazing guy by the name of John Ferreter, he said to me this line that I'll never, ever, ever forget. He goes, only you know how hard you've worked to make your dreams come true. And um, he also told me another line going, unless you host the six o'clock news, I don't care how big your show is. I don't care how big of a hit it is. One day it's going to get canceled. You've got to be ready for that day. And those two things have never left me. And he's absolutely right. You know, if you didn't get the gig, you can say I didn't get the gig and it could be the job or pass the exam. Or I told this to G when she was finishing her HSC. I said, only, you know, how hard you've worked, right? You know, you can go to, you know, all the tutors and all the study halls and do everything you want, but only you lie in bed at night when you look at that final exam going, no, oh, I was fucking on my phone most of that time. <laughs> only, you know, you know, you can go, Oh, it was really hard. And everyone around you will go, Oh, you didn't get the job or you didn't pass the test or whatever, but you're the only one that knows that you have to live with that. And, you know, I, I, what John did was crystallize this kind of like, nope, all I can do is this. Yeah. And if I've done that, then that is, I've done it perfectly. And then yeah. I just have to let go of the result because I, I have no control over casting decisions, network direction. I have no control over who wants to listen to my podcast. I have no control over something that happens in the news uh, uh, where suddenly, you know, a debut of a show is canceled for rolling coverage of something terrible. No control over it. So all I can do is be the best and enjoy and connect and be in the creative process as much as I can on the day. And that's it. Question two. What's the most unhelpful feedback you've received? I struggle with this question. Was this someone giving me, I don't know, go in that direction and it being a really terrible idea? 
is whatever you like it to be. When I first came up with the question, it was like, you know, most of the people who come on here are creative types or in the public eye. And, and I kind of thought, you know, what's a director told them that's kind of thrown them? What's a, a parent said? What's a troll said? Any of those things that, that have had some sort of effect on you? I think early on in in my career, I'm going to be very careful around this. Um, there was a, there was far less, um, I'm not going to put this without putting anyone under the bus, Adam. How do I put this? Um, okay. I think the, the dignity afforded to people who want to come and participate in reality television as a participant or a contestant has improved greatly in recent years. Oh, that's good. That's the way I'll say it. And yeah. Early on, the the accepted way to, um, uh, uh, I guess, the the amount of dignity afforded to those people that was accepted, and no, 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 it's fine. I want you, you know, go in there and do this. Um, at the time, you know, I was like, okay. Mm. Didn't really think about it much, but looking mm. back, it's like, I don't know how I feel about that now. Yeah, yeah. The kind of performative ritual humiliation, um, and kind of stitching people up, um, which I participated in. I'm grateful we've, we've come a long way in that regard. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did what we knew at the time. Mm. Now we know better, so we do better. And this is mm. what, um, this is what I talked to my cast about on NTNN NNN. I've got this, you know, fantastic four page long document from my lawyers about you're going to need to talk to them about this stuff and yeah, yeah. basically kind of going through it about this is how you don't defame people. This is really, really important. And so how to not be in contempt of court and all kinds of things. Certainly when you're doing a news show and, you know, a, a largely a completely unscripted and created in the moment news show. Uh, you've got to be very careful. Just jumping in here, NTNN stands for Nighttime News Network and it's Osha's live improvised satirical news show featuring some of Australia's best improvisers. You can catch it at the Malthouse Theatre in Melbourne from March 30. Uh, Claire Kavanagh, who's uh, kind of my, my, my lead improviser and, and, and you know, works with all the cast and helps, you know, basically helps me translate um, conversations with them. We were speaking about this and thought, well, the if we make the joke, someone's appearance or a tick or a neuroses they might have, that's, that might, that's a bit old school. It is a bit old school. There's always going to be a joke in the morality of the situation. There's always going to be a joke in how you feel or how you don't feel, but whether this is a good or a, a bad thing to do. That's where the gag can be versus, you know, someone with a silly voice or someone who speaks with a tick or someone who has an impediment, uh, you know, of mobility, that's, that can be a part of it, but it's always going to be funnier and more relatable if you go for the, the right and wrong kind of moral part. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it, she's put it exactly right. I think it's a bit old school, you know, it's like yeah. that, that comedy feels a bit like, 2016. Man, if you look back, yeah. I'm going to be, I, I'm like, fucking get your cancel buttons ready, kids. Go back and watch a Get Smart episode 
uh, you'll find a clip on YouTube where they meet Dr. Claw and uh, uh, Maxwell Smart. What was his actor's name? Don, um, Don Adams. Don Adams. This is a show written by Mel fucking Brooks. Like, yeah, you know, this was like network television in America. Dr. Dr. Claw, Dr. Craw, Dr. Craw, no, Craw, not Craw. <laughs> All right. So punching down, yellow peril, proper. But that flew, that absolutely oh, yeah. flew as a bag. And people were, look at the Friends episode of Chandler's dad. Yeah. At the wedding. Like that stuff, prime time, network, hilarity. Yeah. Now you look at it, if you want, I won't been back and watch those shows. Like, ooh, like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not like we're doing stuff now that's not going to date. You oh, know? My so, God, no. oh, oh my what... God, no. Oh my God, and that's big, you know? <laughs> Here's the bit where I talk about the dilemma of sending out old episodes of TV comedies we made, either as examples of our work or to get the show remade in other territories. Amanda and I will send out old episodes. Of, you, you can't send out old episodes of Wilfred. It's just wrong on so many levels. But I look at old episodes of Lowdown and we go through, and it's like 90% of it is still flying and it's great air punches, but there's 10% that you go, well, we can't make that joke anymore. That joke is gone, nope. you know, and then it's colors the whole episode. So we can't send that, that episode out. It's gone, you know, yeah. and it's, it's a little heartbreaking. You know, you, you'd love to have a crystal ball and think, no, that, that humor will be out in 2023. But it's, it's okay. But you, you, we do what we know is the yeah. best thing to do at the time. And when we know better, we do better. And yeah. Like, absolutely. Like, Tom Hanks was in a film called Bachelor Party. Go back yeah. and have a watch of that. Like, this is uh, the sweetheart of sweethearts, Tom Hanks. No one's fucking cancelling him. No. He, he was involved in a show called Bosom Buddies, yeah. where the only way they could get, like, his first show ever on TV was the only way that they could get accommodation was to drag dress in drag so they could live in an all women's um like uh, apartment building oh. that was his first show and that was the joke <laughs> and now he's you know you know it's it still makes we we've come a long way and we will still come a long way and i'm terrified that you just mentioned that gags we make today will go <laughs> i know it's, it's like but we, we feel we're very high-minded today. And we go, oh, no, we, you can't do that. Well, you know, and it's all the people who are the wokies today will will kind of in 10 years' time be, be complaining about the wokies of 2033. The wokies, the wokies <laughs> is the – I want that as an award show. <laughs> the wokies. wokies. We are going to make the wokies. That is what's going to happen. Uh, let's we're do it. going to make the wokies. It's going to Fucking awesome. I think that's actually a pretty good idea. We'll hire at the Malt House. Um, and uh, yeah. We should, who's, do, who's we should do it one night at the at the comedy festival. Yeah, yeah. Oh, who yeah. is the wokest person in Australia? Who's done well work wise this year? And we'll invite Bolt. Yeah, that's Curry, right. Because without the Wokies, they've got no show. So <laughs> that's right. Pay no. your respects, boys. Pay your fucking respects. We'll get Chris Kenny to present an award. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> we'll do it after dark. Question three. Oh, sure. What's the failure you most cherish? Ah, the failure I most cherish, Adam, is ending up um divorced, unemployed, um, paying rent out of my savings in a foreign country. Uh and you know, 
utterly struggling to hold on to the very, very last fragments of my uh, uh, grip on reality as I struggled with extraordinary episodes of psychosis. What year was this? 2014. 2014. And you were in LA? Uh-huh. Where, can you give me an idea so I can picture it? Where were you I living? I was on 20th uh, 20th in Pacific on uh, in Venice. I was oh, one oh. block away from Washington. I was yeah, right yeah. there. And uh, that was my old apartment. It was amazing. I lived there for a long time. Out of that, like you can get sober, but the choices and the decisions and the way I was being and the way I'd been at work and the way I'd been to people I've worked with and the way I had nurtured or not nurtured relationships left me with nowhere to go and nothing to do. And um, it was out of that wreckage that I rebuilt my life, my work relationships, the way I am at work, who I am, how I am at work, my financial position, the, the way I go about my work. It was out of that that uh, allowed me to be here now. So were it not for that, I wouldn't be where I am now. It was extraordinarily painful and terrible, 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 terrible time. But because of that, I have this life now. Because of the things I'd need to do to stay healthy, I now have this amazing life. Um, it's not without its struggles. I still fuck up and I still get heaps of shit wrong. And I still, you know, have conflicts with, you know, you have conflicts is a big word. I have disagreements with my wife and kids and, you know, I still have, have all the speed bumps that everybody has. Um, but uh, I'd like to think I have a set of operating rules now that are um, far more positive and far more useful than the way I used to run things. And without that happening to me, there's a saying in, um, I'm a part of a super secret sober club. And there's a saying in our super secret sober club, find humility before humility finds you. <laughs> humility fucking found me. Humility dragged me <laughs> in screaming out from under the coffee table. What the fucking why? why? What the fuck? Why am I divorced? Why am I unemployed? What the fuck? Why isn't American television kicking down my door trying to make me a millionaire? Fucking why? Why is Ryan Seacrest hosting everything? Fucking get me. Why, the, why is this happening to me? I'm the guy from T. I did that thing in Australia on TV that one time. What the fuck? I was on the cover of Dolly magazine. Like I was clear bachelor a year in 2004. Like no one, uh, like humility pushed my face into the canvas. Like at the end of a MMA fight that, you know, someone's just kind of playing it out. You know, <laughs> like, I, I had a very similar experience in, on the corner of wearing and La Brea. <laughs> I know exactly. Uh, it was like that whole thing where you, you know, when someone's got you and they're putting your head under the water. It was that. And they lift you up again and you go, oh, well, that's enough. Okay, I've learned my lesson. Now you fucking haven't. In yeah. you go again. And then and then you come up and the only stop putting you down when you realize, oh fuck, it's my hand that's pushing me down. <laughs> that's oh. Right. <laughs> oh mate, it's nothing. It Until is, you notice that, it will always be fucked. You yeah. have to take responsibility. 100%. Have to take responsibility. Because there's great freedom in that. Because they're like, oh, I can just not, I can just not do that and I'll be all right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, I saw the pattern a lot when I was over there and the pattern is successful person comes from Australia, moves to LA, spring in the step for the first few weeks, first few months even. And then it's like just kind of feeling of shock. What, why, why isn't the same thing translating over here? And we all go through it. I mean, even the most well-adjusted person goes through it. It's not like they're dickheads for thinking that what was successful in Australia will also be successful in America. It's just, it's a natural condition. Yeah. And then, and then either two things happen. They 
get wires and just like knuckle down or they just go home straight away. And there was a friend of mine who has, his brother was a psychologist whose whole clientele in Sydney was counseling people coming back from LA who didn't make yeah. it. And that's okay. You'll be better for it. You'll be better for it, for trying. Like it's only shit if you don't learn anything from it. Mm. If it brings you like, what did I brought? I came back in 2015. You come back and go, universal healthcare and no oh, guns yeah. on the streets. My fucking God. Yeah. This is amazing. I can't yeah. believe that we pulled this off. There's clean water out of every tap. Like it's unbelievable. And there's accountability in politics where you can't actually make your family the cabinet. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and it's yeah. it's like, yeah, it was a it that's really interesting. So you went you came back in 2015. So you and I were were literally high fiving on the plane because I right. went that's when I went over. Right, right. And so I was there for the whole Trump years. Oh and, man. And then and then got literally I don't, I'd probably still be there if it weren't for the pandemic. I literally just went, I mean, we just thought America was on a fire and we had to get at them. Yeah. And, you know, the healthcare situation was like, if I'd gone to hospital with COVID for longer than five days, then we'd be bankrupt. And uh, yeah, that's what, that's what people don't quite get around yeah. about what universal healthcare does for you. It gives you the freedom to move between jobs and leave a job that you, you don't like it's it's so fucking weird over there like your your workplace controls your health insurance so if you have a fuckhead of a boss or yeah. work with his asshole you just can't get promoted or you can't move or it's really bad but you get maternity care and orthodontic and you know and your kid needs braces and your wife is pregnant again and like you'll fucking stay at that shit job and be screamed at every day and it's not good no, because we don't scream. Like I remember one situation being, having a manager, an old manager of mine screaming at me and I'm thinking, this doesn't happen in Australia. And, you know, you speak in your roughest Australian accent and that generally scares them. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was Steve Irwin and Croc Dundee, but now it's Bandit Healer. But that's yeah. like, you can still, you can still Bandit Heal away your way out of that. You can still Bandit Heal your way out of that. They're like, come on, mate. What's, yeah. what's actually going on? Yeah, if you get it real close, and get, yeah, yeah, <laughs> come, here, come here, mate. Let's hug it out. Let's hug it out. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna take him in the toilet, bite your fucking ears off if you ever do that again. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> Question four: Which word or phrase do you most overuse? Oh, lately, it's I appreciate that. Um, again, like with the, I know with the ADHD, often my intent. And the way I think I'm saying things is not how it comes out. And I can sound kind of smarmy when I say it, even though I don't mean it. And I say, man, I really appreciate that. And it can come out like I'm being a, a bit of a dick about it. I'm That's not. interesting. But it comes out that way. And it's really, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's just, you know, I don't work in radio anymore. When you work in radio, you do air checks with your program director or your content director all the time and they just pick up on things because there's things that get into the yeah, right. things that there's words that come off the bench and they kind of play in your starting five uh for you know <laughs> weeks at a time and then you know different words come in and come out depending on what you're watching and reading and who you're talking to um i am very much a, i'm a very much a sponge or a mirror to the people mm. around the content and the things i'm reading listening to and watching and um you know, so when you're working in radio, they pick up on it really quick because, you know, otherwise people are hearing it every day, every break. Um, when I was on Idol, I said the word awesome all the time. <laughs> I would just have to go, mate, you just got to stop saying awesome. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't make, it's no problem when you're just in your day. But if you're 
on telly, there was a great guest, a great uh, contestant on Survivor the other day who kept saying, copy that. And the way he said it, uh, the other people were just like, man, fuck you, you're gone. <laughs> yeah, 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 copy that. They stitched him up and get it, but it was really good. Um, yeah, I'm very much awesome in the hundred percenters. And also when I'm writing, there's, there are little phrases that I, I go, Oh, I've used that before. Let's, let's yeah. lose that for a while. Let's bench that. Yeah, it's me. good. There's, I, I use some pretty good software that helps me with that. It, you oh, know, yes. there's, there's this fucking drop down menu that says, you know, you want to watch out for shit. And it goes, you've used this 37 times in 2000 words. Ah, okay. Is that, is that Grammarly? Uh, I use Grammarly and Scrivener. I think Scrivener is the best fucking writing software. Like it, it punches final draft in the dick for me i love it and it picks up on your on your not irregularities but your regularities yeah oh yeah yeah uh i've got it i've actually got one open right now um hang on, i'm just looking uh if you put linguistic focus yeah you hit that and it will show up and go oh you've got you know repeated this seven times or you've got you know but or a comma and a you know you've used this thing um, just to, any, or, or any was, words that have come up, any words that pop up, how many nouns you've used or how many pronouns, or, you know, oh. you're really low on adverbs or adjectives and you're like, Oh, I'm really not as descriptive as I'd like to be. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's really very good. It's, it's very, very clever, clever software. And I love it. I love it. The final question. The final question, mate, is do you have a motto? This one's got me out of trouble more often than not. Uh, because we talk about losing jobs. It's another two words. It's of course. So, um, <laughs> And not in a sarcastic way. Oh, of course. Fucking rained the day I wanted to dry my laundry. <laughs> it's, of course, of course it rains. That's awesome. Because, yeah. you know, I like showering and flushing toilets and water. <laughs> okay, I'll hang the laundry inside. So I use it very much about, I, I, mean, I lost a big radio job. An example is when I lost a big radio job. And I was like, I can't fucking believe they fired me. I've worked there for 10 years. And then, oh, hang on. Of course they fired me. Of course they host, hired a younger uh, female presenter to do this radio show because I am a sad 36-year-old sober single man talking to teenage girls about Justin Bieber. Of course they hired a 22-year-old woman who's got a fucking bajillion followers on Instagram and has been in radio for five years. Of course. Brilliant. And instantly it got me out of my resentment. And That's into, interesting. Into, ah, of course. Like it takes you, like say with my... um. With my ex-wife, for example, oh my God, she wants a divorce. Of course she wants a divorce. Because then instantly I have to look at, oh, because I was like this and that, and I did that thing. And, I, and to try, hmm? Of course, makes sense. It instantly allows me to see the other side of things. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to sign up to The Kicker where you can see bonus video content on episodes as well as heaps of other journalism and opinion. That's thekicker.substack.com. See you next time.